securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group. Member FINRA SIPC, Texas Hill Country Advisors, is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Andrew Gay, Gilbert Pies, and Texas Hill Country Advisors, and not those of Next. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the 4 Investors podcast hosted by yours truly, Andrew Gay and Gilbert Pies, independent financial advisors of Texas Hill Country Advisors right here in the beautiful Texas Hill Country, the everyday podcast for the everyday investor. You like that? That's our new tagline. Hell Is that yeah, okay? Like okay. That. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, great. So I like the enthusiasm today, Gilbert. So what we're going to talk about today, we don't usually on Monday evenings, we have a guest. Um, we did not have one this evening. So we're just going to bring us up to date on what the markets are doing year to date and as of last week, because we did have a down week in the U.S. stock market last week. So we're going to talk about that. And we're talking about uh, four or five main big issues that are kind of weighing on on markets right now. So if you had to boil everything down that's kind of happening out there in financial markets, that's kind of taking headlines as far as the overarching narratives out there, we're going to try to hit all of those today, wrap them up in four or five uh, topics and kind of touch on each one of them. So uh, let's jump right to it. If we take a look here and what the U.S. stock markets did, if we factor in their performance last week, you can clearly see that all three major U.S. stock indexes, the S&P, Dow Jones, and the NASDAQ, all had down weeks for the week last week. NASDAQ being the biggest loser there, down over 3.5% on the week. But if right next to that, if you look at those green numbers, the YTD column there, all three of them are still boasting strong performance on the year-to-date number. So we're still up very strong uh, for strong performance for the major three U.S. stock indexes on a year-to-date basis. So some of the some of the strength of that initial first six months that we had in the stock market seems that it's kind of fading, especially after last week. We got the announcement last week from Jerome Powell and the rest of the Federal Reserve that they decided to not hike interest rates in their September meeting, which was widely expected. Which which normally would be a good thing. Right. And we also mentioned, and we had talked about on the show at length, how there's kind of been this pattern where the markets have this run-up into the Fed meeting, and then for the next week or two afterwards, they, they give up any gains that they had made leading up into the meeting. And that still seems like it's kind of the pattern. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. Um it, the the pattern has been a week to 10 days after the announcement or the day of the announcement, and then a week to 10 days after that, the market is, is really wishy-washy and drops off a little bit. doesn't give up necessarily all the gains they made in the weeks running up to it, but it certainly is a week for a week to 10 days. Yeah. So the the and today we are positive on the day if we factored in what happened today and how we started the week today after monday's trading session all three major u.s indexes closed up slightly positive on the day so we'll continue to monitor and observe that um, about what's going on out there i think on the on uh, as far as the markets go uh to round off this week you know we had the fed meeting last week we had the inflation the first inflation number um for august the week before that and we will get um 
the second metric of inflation, which is PCE, personal consumption expenditures, on Friday morning before the markets open. Uh, that's, a, that's the second metric of inflation that we get every single month for the prior month. So we'll get that Friday morning along with some consumer data, personal spending, and personal income uh, will both be reported Friday morning before the markets open. Okay, so speaking of that, let's transition into kind of the overarching theme here of what we're going to talk about today. A lot of this was based on a Wall Street Journal that we, uh, a Wall Street Journal article that we had discussed previously. It was in the uh, it was in the paper this morning, and it was called. Uh, the title of the article was "The Economy Set for a Quadruple Threat," and it highlighted four big reasons. We're going to add a couple to that while we discuss them. That why these four reasons together could kind of uh, create some bumps in the economy. Uh, you know, we, we know that the economy has been robust. The labor market has not really softened as much as the Fed would, would have thought with the interest rates being at the level that they're currently at. Uh, you know, consumer spending has remained elevated. Wages continue to go up. So, so the fight against inflation is definitely proving uh, complex and complicated for the Fed. Um, so, Let's let's let me stop my rambling. Let's jump in here real quick. So, to name the four issues that were in this Wall Street Journal article, um, they were the the auto worker strike, so the UAW strike that's happening right now, and it says a broader auto worker strike, um, so that continuing to spread, a lengthy government shutdown, the resumption of student loan payments, that's number three, and then finally rising oil prices. All right, Gilbert, why don't you pick one of those and kick us off? Yeah, you know, all four of those things individually are probably not that big a deal for the economy. And I think that's what the, really the article that's right. is talking about. That's exactly how what it's saying. Neither one of those things in and of themselves is really going to knock the economy out. But when you look at them all together, then all four of them happening at the same time, which is really what's going on right now, uh, really makes things difficult for the economy on several levels. So, um it, is it an issue? Yes, uh, but it's really hard to tell how long the United Auto Workers strike is going to continue. It's it's uh, difficult to determine how much student loan payments are going to really affect the economy. Is that really going to have a huge impact on consumer spending? Because remember, not every consumer has student loans to pay back. Uh, oil prices. The, the big, best cure for high oil prices is high oil prices. Eventually, they'll go back down again. Um, or there'll be a lack of demand and, and the price will, will be dropped off and then maybe even supply will increase. And then, of course, uh, the last uh, I item that, that they're talking about, of course, is the government shutdown. Um, that seems very likely to happen, but that too will get resolved at some point down the road. Now, whether it's one week or three months or six months down the road, you know, it, it, it's hard to tell one way or the other, but you know, all four of those things taken together, if they all, let's assume that the UAW strike increases substantially and spreads to all of their plants. Let's assume that consumers, um, you know, that have student loan payments have to start paying more. Let's assume that oil prices don't go up, or I'm sorry, go up and supply goes down, prices continue to move up. And then let's say that the government shutdown lasts for six months. All those things together happening at the same time, those would be a very big negative for the overall economy. Yeah, and it's a big old one-two punch if you put all of them together. One, two, three, four. Punch. Um, one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three, four. Uh, so, so the the so the UAW strike. So let's start there. So a couple mentions about this. 
um, that were in this Wall Street Journal article. So according to Wall Street Journal and Goldman Sachs, broad strike would shave off about 0.05 and point and a tenth of a percent uh, from annualized economic growth for every week that it lasts. That data was according to Goldman. Um, you know, so even though that these it are that is a targeted strike, it's only targeted something about thirteen thousand employees so far. If it continues to spread, because frankly, they can't afford to fund those strikes out of their strike fund, which there is a strike fund um, that the that the UAW has, but they can't float that bill on a week to week basis because it would cost them millions of dollars a week and they, they can't deplete their their strike fund and, like and that. In, and in case you don't know, a strike fund is something that a union has to supplement their employees uh, earnings while they're on strike. Yeah, because they're not earning wages. Because so they're, they're not earning wages. You're not getting paid if you're not working. But the strike fund helps to offset some of that impact to the striking employees. Right. So even a, even being a targeted strike, that Goldman still says that it could shave off some some percent, a slight tenth of a up to the temper tenth of a percent from annualized economic growth. So could have could have an impact and could, sure. could become. I think that one of the other things I wanted to point out about this is it kind of feels like the. Uh, the efforts, the union efforts from from like UPS, kind of laid the groundwork for the UAW to have a more robust and maybe even a, a bigger impact on their negotiations for settling this, the current strike that they're under. Sure, it's no secret that right now employees have a lot of power right now, and you know it would be foolish for unions, especially, to waste the opportunity to demand higher wages especially in the environment that we're in right now with inflation being what it is. And we've mentioned this before, but I think to round that thought off before we move on to the next point is that higher wages translate into higher inflation. Yes, for sure. Not necessarily a one for one translation, but you know, if you're raising wages or trying to earn higher wages to outpace or, or dampen down the effect of inflation, it's really not, doing a whole lot because it's just adding fuel to the fire in an indirect manner. Right. So moving right along, the uh, government shutdown. So a couple of things I wanted to mention about this was from my understanding, there's there's some complexity that goes into this. It does. It's not as simple as like, you know, can you can you can this side of the aisle agree with this side of the aisle that we need to we need to just move forward and pass something. It's not it's not ever that simple. Right. Devil's always in the details. So um from my understanding, there is uh, multiple appropriations bills that could be passed, uh, and if they if they were able to pass them, uh, that would work to get us get us through the deadline. Okay, to, so for the government to not shut down. However, the caveat there is that the Republicans control the House, and if they draw this bill up where the bills originate and piece it together, send it to the Senate, there is a high likelihood that it's going to get other stuff thrown in it and other funding mechanisms and, and other little line items put in it and then sent back to the House. And a lot of times those bills that come back from the Senate to the House after having those excess things packaged in there, they don't even look the same, right? So, and that would cause this back and forth that could would put us back past the deadline. So the government would have to shut down, right? One option to mitigate some of that is to do a CR, which is continuing resolution, which is just kind of like a patch uh, to tide us over. A lot of the argument I've heard for that is that if that did happen, it, it sidesteps the ability for a lot of the 
I think the the Republicans in this case to to have a drawdown of some kind of spending or have negotiations about spending going forward because this is not uh, the same thing that we saw in June with the debt ceiling. Okay, this isn't even back in the Obama administration. This is not the government shutdown that happened then was to try to stop the Affordable Care Act happen again under the Trump administration uh, because of the border wall. So this is this is a totally different animal. And a lot of this, I think, has to do with deficit spending. And so they're they're trying to reach a resolution, but it doesn't look like a temporary one would be the way to go. But then it puts them up between a rock and hard place because the longer negotiations to really get something passed that would be effective for the full year term going forward to fund the government is not that likely. Yeah, a divided government, it's uh, it forces a compromise because neither one of the parties, Republicans or Democrats, have full control over both houses of Congress. So Republicans have the House, Democrats have the Senate, can't move forward without a compromise. So uh, we'll see. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the government shutdown lasts for 90 days at least. Right. And there is a requirement for them to pay the furloughed government employees. So it's not like those, it's not like what we were just talking about with the union strikers that are on strike or employees, and they have to get funded from a strike fund, right, because they're not getting compensated. There is a requirement, I believe, in place that if you're furloughed from the government in a government shutdown like that, you're still going to get paid. You might just not get paid when you usually get paid. It might be delayed, but you're still going to get paid for all of that. If you're a government employee, you better have your own personal strike fund ready. Cause, <laughs> also uh, known not, as a as a uh, emergency fund. Yeah, yeah, you better be ready because uh, it's coming. Um, that's and I, right. And I wouldn't be surprised if it lasts well into the new year. Speaking of of savings, uh, going going right into the student loan issue, um, in this Wall Street Journal article that we're kind of using as our center point for this discussion, it says that according to Wells Fargo economist Tim Quinlan, the restart of the October 1st student loan repayments could divert roughly about $100 billion from Americans' pockets over the coming year. That's a lot of money that they could otherwise spend on something else. We just talked about how the economy has still remained robust, even with the backdrop of higher interest rates. And is that enough to put a dent in some of the hotter than expected spending that we've seen as of late? Well, and, and you know, the other thing about student loans is that's assuming everybody that owns student loans started paying them. The chances of that happening are slim to none. There, people that can't afford to pay aren't going to pay. They, they just can't. They, they're they too busy feeding themselves or paying for their housing or, uh, you know, take care of their families. If, if you can't pay, you're not going to pay. You're just going to be spending the money on something else, um, a necessity versus a, uh, a want. You're going to be spending it on needs only. And can you believe that they this has been in place since March of 2020 for student loan borrowers to not have to make a payment? This, this is That's another, a substantial amount of time. This is a fine example of why you should not lend 18-year-olds thousands of dollars to go to school. For their tuition. For tuition, fees, tuition. whatever it is that they're, they're using the money for. This is a fine reason why you should not be doing that. And student loans should be something that are earned, not just handed out like water um, out there to universities. Uh, part of the problem, too, frankly, is uh, higher institutions of higher learning are in steadily increasing their 
That's right. Costs and fees and charges but, and tuition. And why do, why are they doing that? It's because they can, because right? They can. Over time, and and they know that there's financing that's backed up by the tuition that these kids are are paying them. So if you look at, it's been a while since I looked, and I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. But if you looked at the increases of in tuition on average over time, it outpaces other uh, baskets of of prices as far as what they've increased and inflation significantly student loans uh, i heard one funding mechanism for student loans what what should happen is each university should fund their own student loan and keep it on their books keep it on their books you all of a sudden better believe that all of a sudden you're going to have to uh, snap to it and they're only going to provide funding for majors that actually will be able to pay that back at some point it puts a it puts a whole nother spin on the definition of a business school. Yes. Now, now I'm not <laughs> saying that that uh, student loans are, are bad and that they shouldn't exist. It's just that there there needs to be a better way, and and we need to look at not only student loans and, and the problems that people have paying those things back in the future, but also the root causes of student loan problems that we're having right now. And part of it is the higher the institutions of higher learning. Yeah. All right. Moving right along. Uh, last but not least from the article is, is the gasoline um, or energy prices, really the price of, of, of oil. As we talked about before on the show, not every drop of oil, matter of fact, a big chunk of every drop of oil does not uh, go into the refining of, of energy or, or uh, fuel. Right. So there's a big chunk of that that goes for other things, petroleum products. But there is no question about it that the price of oil is correlated with the price of gasoline. Uh, the price of gasoline, uh, according to the Labor Department, surged 10.6% for the month of August. That's the largest one-month increase since June of 2022. So as the Fed is trying to fight inflation and wrestle it all the way back down to 2%, the last inflation number that we got actually ticked up. So we were trending in the right direction, but now it's looking like it might be a little bit stickier. We're sitting above 3%. They're trying to get down to 2% and higher gas prices don't do them any favors, right? Oh, for sure. And, and, and part of the issue is it's a supply demand issue. What you've had is, is large producers like OPEC plus reduce their supply. It's driven up prices. And demand has not dropped off either. Well, they say that they're doing that. Right. right. They say that they're doing that. But we know that there's a lot of cheating in that in that uh, market. Uh, but then you also look at, like, for example, here in this country, producers that uh, explore and, and um, drill for oil, they are every every way that they turn, they're getting blocked from doing so. And so their focus right now is not exploration for new resources and su- increasing supply. Their focus is now more on um, managing their capital expenditures and returning profits to their shareholders. Right. So you're you're not getting a big supply boost from domestic producers. You're getting a supply cut from foreign producers. And because we don't produce oil in a vacuum, what the people on the international side do really affects us domestically. So if we had to add a couple of more things to the big four that we just mentioned in this article, uh, what would you add? I'm going to go first. (laughs) 
most, that, most, was, that was a rhetorical question. No. Most um, definitely, the there's there's two interrelated things, and we talked about those before: inflation and interest rates. For boom, sure. boom, yes. And I would even go as far to add. I thought of another one that I want to. I, I would say geopolitical landscape. Sure, we still got the. Russian Ukraine war that can affect affect you know we, here we are talking about energy prices and those energy prices are affected by oil and that's traded as a commodity on a global scale so and what's the only thing the Russians have that people want is yeah, so oil, oil and gas yeah right and they can't sell it to the open market right not anymore not anymore but but that's why they're doing trade-offs sketchy trade-offs in the middle of the ocean between you know those crazy barge carriers I mean Anyway, uh, so yeah, so geopolitical, but I would also ask add the uh, domestic, like political landscape, just because sure. this uh, next year is an election year. So I think the uh, talks of different policies shift in, in power uh, could stem some other some other headlines or other, um, not always necessarily risk, but other risk or, or things that could could affect the market. Yeah, and you know, like we 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 were on our friend Lewis's show this morning, and we talked about some of these negative things and. And yeah, all of these things that we're talking about, negative, 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 man, we're like Debbie Downers. I know, we're, we're going through the list of like what what gloom. could go wrong, like what what's bad yeah, right now, yeah. right? Glo- gloom and doom. But, but here's what I would say too. Uh, at some point down the road, all of these things will get resolved one way or the other, some for the positive, some for the negative, but they will get resolved. At some point down the road, there will be some resolution to the government shutdown. At some point down the road, there will be a resolution to the UAW strikes with, uh, against the big major automakers. At some point down the road, student loans will get rectified one way or the other. People will either start paying them back or they will get uh, – the, the government will pass some law that says they can be discharged in bankruptcy. Something will happen. And, and eventually we'll see oil prices drop off because, as I said earlier, the, the cure for high oil, energy prices is – High energy prices. At some point, you and me as consumers will make changes in our uh, budgets in our households to reduce our dependence on energy. But the the squeeze has got to be there first, and the squeeze isn't there just yet. It it it's noticeable. Everybody's ears are perked up, but it hasn't really right. caused anybody's uh, ideas to change about energy prices. And and then of course, even with inflation and interest rates. At some point down the road, inflation will get so out of whack that interest rates will be raised to a level that will slow the economy down, we'll have a recession, interest rates will start coming down at some point. So, um, you know, and, and then you you had mentioned the geopolitical risks. Eventually, those two will get resolved because guess what? Even if we don't do anything on the domestic side of the house, we will have an election next year in 2024 and we will have a president. I don't know who it's going to be. Don't know if it's going to be a new one or an old one. Um, but eventually those things will get resolved. And and so really what I'm trying to say is don't let the doom and gloom part of things put you down. Uh, look for the bright side of things. Eventually the sun will come out again and it'll be awesome. But in the meantime, while all these crazy negative things are happening, it's a really good time to evaluate what you're doing with your investments and how you can take advantage of some of these things so that when things do improve, you'll be in a better position to say, yeah, that's, that's the right. right thing to do. That's right. 
and, and we know that the that the positive times outweigh the negative times mm-hmm. as far as from an investor's perspective in financial markets. So we, we know that for sure. Yes. Any final thoughts before we close out today? Or do uh, we cover everything, solve all the problems of the world? <laughs> you know, if, if, if only the government would just ask you and me what they should do, we would tell them what to do and fix all the problems immediately. Well, you and I would tell them to get lost <laughs> and go away. We'd use some more colorful language, but yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. It, it'll be interesting. And I would say this too, that keep in mind what, what season we're going into. We're going into the fall. Um, we've so, only got about 30 days of October to really get thing, get our house in order. Because once you get into November and December, people start checking out. They're into Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Ain't nothing going to happen That's in right. November and December. So things move very slow yes, during the holidays. So, so in the if if we don't get some of these things resolved over the next 30 days, you know, I really wouldn't be too surprised if none of it gets resolved in 30 days. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. That's what I'm saying. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these things get pushed into next year. Is that good? No, it's it's terrible. I think the sooner we deal with problems, the better off we're going to be. But it's also not going to be the worst thing in the world. And um, especially when it comes to divided government, it, it forces Republicans and Democrats to work together. That's a probably a horrifying concept for most of them, but it, it does require them to work together to get things done. Otherwise, you know, it, it's going to be their fault. And, of course, they'll spend all their time saying it was that guy. It's yeah. that guy's fault. But, no, it's them. It's them. It's it's all of them together. Yes. Um, so so uh, 30 days, and if we don't get any of this stuff resolved in 30 days, look for some of this stuff to get pushed up in the next year. Yeah, well said. Well said. Okay, guys, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, interact with us, share our content. It helps other people find the show. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Most weekdays, the stock market is open in all places. Podcasts are possible, including Spotify. Go give us a follow there. We'd appreciate it very much. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you tomorrow.